I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Your food and your drink. 
If he should see you in poorer condition than the other men of your own age, you would endanger him. Then Daniel asked the guard whom the palace master had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. You can then compare our apparent young men with royal ration and deal with your servants according to what you observe. So he agreed to this proposal and tested them. At the end of ten days, it was observed that they appeared better and fatter than all the young men who had been eating the royal rations. So the guard continued to withdraw the royal rations and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature, and Daniel also had insight into all visions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. I mean, seriously, y'all. Thank you for all those names she just read. I said, you seem like a pretty good scripture reader. Um, would you? And then when I went to, to put it in the email, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you laughed? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's like by, by far the worst scripture we've had. So it's, um, you're welcome. <laughs> you did a great job. You did a great job. Um, so, uh, obviously, I'm wearing something new. I don't figure out. I haven't figured out yet if I'm going to wear it every week. I just felt like today I should. At least I'll do it one week. <laughs> um, then at least I get to wear it once. Um, but I, <laughs> I actually have a confession um, to make. So, was ordained on Friday, um, and it's you know, supposed to be this big holy moment, and it was, it definitely was, and you never know how you're gonna respond in that moment, and so like some of the people in my class just like sobbed as it happened, and some, um, and me, I just like could not get a, like it's just this gigantic smile on my face the whole time, it was just, I was just super happy. Um, and I, I was surprised I didn't cry, but I, I didn't, and, but it was, I felt, you know, you don't feel different the next day, there's nothing, yeah, I mean, I didn't feel different, but it felt like a relief that, I, you know, I got there, uh, and, and then, um, so this is my confession, within 48 hours, within 48 hours of ordained Friday night, we returned Sunday night, uh, actually I take that back, more, more like 72 hours. On Monday, uh, I was walking over to 7-Eleven, which is by my house, and within 72 hours of being ordained, of, you know, receiving that consecration, um, I flipped somebody off. <laughs> did you see that coming? No. no. Okay. Yeah, so I totally did. Um, I was walking, it's only about like a block away, and I was walking to, you know, I, we were out of toilet paper, and so I went down to 7-Eleven, and this car drives by, and they, some guy in his car yelled out, and I'm like, you know, like in yoga pants and stuff, and they yelled out from the car something super catcallish and demeaning and as they drove by. Um, and I, I don't even, like, it's not worth repeating. Um, but in that moment, I thought about whether or not I would respond that way, and I chose to respond that way. Um, it wasn't like a, it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a just, I let it fly and then I, it was impulsively. It was like I thought about, um, I actually thought, am I, no, I'm not, I'm not in a Kingstown shirt right now, good. Um, I actually I thought about whether I was in a Kingstown shirt, 
And then I made the decision that the best response, I mean, I just wanted so badly, and I did. And I let it fly. I did. That's what I did. And that was 72 hours after I was ordained, you all. Um, um, <laughs> I needed to confess. I needed to confess. Um, and part of the reason it felt so good to me is that I felt, I did, it felt good. Um, and I, I know it's wrong, but it felt good. And the, part of the reason why it felt so good to me was um, because I was standing up for myself. Like it was, it had gone so far past my ability to, um, to not, not say something. And, uh, and the, when you're in that moment and there's not, you can't like sit them down and say, let me talk to you now about why that is. <laughs> like you have like, how do I make it clear that I am incredibly um, offended by what you just did? And the best way to do that when they're driving by was just to make the gesture, the universal gesture for um, I'm really offended by you. Which, um, or there's another word, but like it's the universal gesture. And so I, I felt really good for standing up for myself. And what, what he said was awful, yes. And so I should be allowed to respond like that. You know, that's, that's kind of the thought I had. I should be allowed to respond like that. I should be allowed to, in some sense, reciprocate for the stuff he said. I should be able to stand up for myself and I don't because I don't have to take that. And it was some gross things that he was saying. And I recognize that maybe this is a really clear example of when it's really evident what I should do and what I shouldn't do in a situation. But I think that in our lives, our lives are full of all these moments all the time when we have to make a decision on whether or not we want to stand up for ourselves or stand up for someone else or for something we believe in. And that was obvious, that's not how you stand up, obviously. And um, hopefully that person never shows up at King's Down. <laughs> um, and we have, we have to make choices. We have to make choices about whether or not it's appropriate for us to stand up. And we have to make a decision about how we do that. Jesus was a master at this, we know. Jesus was a master at this. This is why we choose to follow Jesus. This is why, like, this is why he matters to us. He's masterful at both being kind and also standing up for himself and people. Jesus did this so well, his entire ministry revolved around standing up for the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized and the women walking down a street receiving catcalls, right? This is what Jesus did. But every time he did it, he did it in a particular way that would not have reflected poorly on his character. Pretty sure that did not happen on Monday for me. And thank God I'm a follower of Jesus because obviously I still don't fully know how to do it myself. I'd like to know. Sometimes I get it right, but sometimes it's just so hard. When you just have heard the, that thing over and over again and it just feels like, I just can't let this one go. I can't let this one go. And yet we're thrust into these spots over and over and over again. And it's, it's not just this, is, is this a time for me to stand up because I strongly believe in this thing I should do? Or is this something that 
God would want me to do? Does this align with the will and with the wisdom and with the understanding of the heart of God? Or is this just something that's in line with my own heart or my own understanding? This is a question that I've been asking myself and asking as I read the Bible. And I, I'm especially in this climate we're in right now, and I'm really excited, really excited about this summer because I believe that the book of Daniel speaks specifically to this question. About six months ago, I reread Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Have you, has anybody read it? Yeah? Um, I hadn't read it in quite a while, actually, since seminary. And in this letter, um, he writes from prison to other clergy members. He writes to other pastors. That is, that is the audience of his letter. And in that, he basically says, in, in the guts of it, that he would prefer to be having a conversation with a pastor who is openly racist and desirous for segregation to continue because at least he knows where they stand. His chiding in this letter, throughout most of this letter, is actually to the silent, moderate pastor who refuses to stand up for anything. Now, I will say, when I read it, I immediately think, well, good. I'm not one of those. Um, I stand up for things. It's no defense for me given the bird, but I stand up for things. This is who I am. But then he goes on to address the pastors who are passionately condemning racism as well from the pulpit, encouraging their people to participate in acts of civil disobedience. And he says, but you who do speak up and out and for, do you actually believe that the sinful can be redeemed? Are you humble enough to leave room for grace in the outrage? Is there room for transformation? Or do you just respond? I don't know what my bird said beyond my outrage. It surely didn't leave any room for him to be redeemed. Maybe you are one who feels called and convicted by one of those two parts, one of those two halves of, of Martin Luther King's letter. Maybe you feel called and convicted um, and called out and convicted by the part of the, the moderate pastor who doesn't stand up for anything. Or maybe you feel called and convicted, like I do, of the person who stands up for things, and I'm not sure if everything I stand up for is always what God would have me stand up for. Or always, maybe it's louder than God would have me say it, or less kind than God would have me say it, or less um, leaving room for the redemption of those who think differently than me. Whatever the subject is, how we do it, how do, how do we know when to stand up and stand firm or when to be silent? And how do we know if the thing we're standing up for is of God or just something we ourselves want to believe or is something our culture or society has shaped us to think we must rage about? How do we begin to distinguish those things? And the fancy theological word for that is discernment, not fancy at all. And it's something we grow in over time. But there are people in our lives who are really good discerners at a much faster pace than we are. I have to fill my life with discerners. 
Some are parents, some are grandparents, some are mentors, teachers, pastors, some are people who are people and voices we know through the course of history, like reading back through a letter from a Birmingham jail is giving a dose of wisdom into my life. We call these people wise people. And they're wise because they are able with life experience to discern quickly what is the next step, what I am to say and what I'm not to say, who, what I stand up against and what I don't stand up against. This, why, these wise people are able to make decisions, to make choices, to make proclamations quickly because of their wealth of wisdom informed by the people and experiences of their life. And sometimes I think I am more wise than I am. And so I follow my gut, thinking that my gut has all the right intuition to lead me in what is right and what I should do and what I should say, but it doesn't. And it's one of those things we hear over and over and over again in Daniel, that this character Daniel had this great deal of wisdom and insight. Something that comes, um, you can see it develop through the course of the book of Daniel, something that comes out of Daniel's experiences, the thing that he's processing throughout this book. But um, it says in chapter 1, one verse 7, um, Lindsay just read it, to Daniel and his friends, God gave knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature and wisdom. God gave them wisdom. Daniel also had insight into visions and dreams. And this is what the entire book of Daniel will be about. This wisdom, these experiences of God imparting wisdom into Daniel's life, and then his interpretation of these visions and these dreams. These visions and dreams that are actually later used by John, who wrote the book of Revelation, to write the book of Revelation. So Daniel is actually can be divided into two halves, and so the entire month of July will be in the first half of Daniel. That's his, the stories you might know of. In those stories is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You might have heard that one in some VBS somewhere, some children's class somewhere. We do not read it normally as adults. And uh, another story in there is Daniel in the lion's den. We got some lovely fur up here today. Um, love it. Uh, so y'all know Daniel in the lion's den. Those are the, the stories of, of Daniel exper experiences shaping him in wisdom. And then the second half of Daniel are these crazy apocalyptic visions that sound a lot like the end of the world. And so people take these visions, and that's how they ended up writing the book of Revelation. John did by using these visions, this imagery from it. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to take on both of these halves, and we're going to talk about how wisdom shaped uh, Daniel to have these visions and what these visions really mean. That is, that is going to be our move throughout the summer. It's going to be intriguing, I promise. It's going to be great. Um, I mean, Daniel's got a whole book dedicated to just his life in the Bible, and there are tons and tons of extra-biblical sources that recount Daniel as well. He is super important, not just religious per, for religious purposes, but because he's wise in so many contexts that are not the Christian faith. They tell stories of this person, Daniel, um, in other religions and other contexts because of his wisdom. He's known for being wise. I've heard it said that, um, I've heard it said one time that if you squeeze oranges, what comes out of them? Orange juice, if you squeeze lemons, what comes out of them? Lemon juice. Lemon juice and orange juice are the character of oranges and lemons, or the character of those fruits. And so then we ask, 
Um, if in a situation where we are pressed and we are squeezed, what comes out of us? What comes out when we're squeezed is also character. It is our character, and my character did not show well when I was squeezed. Felt like I should like begin with me saying I'm not perfect. See that I hope that made you feel better. In case you did that this week too, um, I, I bet you you didn't. So <laughs> thank God you'll let me be your pastor still. Um, what we're doing, what we're going to see in, in Daniel time and time again, is that in these situations when life and people and injustice is pressing in on him, and there's a heck of a lot of injustice, which I will get to all the history next week um, of how they ended up in this situation where they're being brainwashed to fall, fall into a new culture. Um, it, it's, it's a fascinating story. These people who are pulled, um, um, pulled into this unknown place and then, then forced to abide by the rules of that place is what we call exile in the Christians, in, in the biblical story. Um, I hope that what you see in this, I'm hopeful that this summer we will read through Daniel and that we will begin to codify some answers together to these questions. When is it that I should stand up for myself, for others, for what I believe in? How do I do this? How do I know if this is something I care about or if it's something that's, that is central to the very heart of God? How is it that I should go about standing up? How is it that I go about standing up for myself and others when I discern it's what God is calling me to do? There's, so there's this old hymn um, that is turned into a children's song that is super corny, um, I think Brett hates me forever that he has to play that, that he has to sing that song today. But the words that we sang earlier, even with the silly little melody, are these words: "Dare to be Daniel, dare to be like Daniel, dare to stand alone, to not be distracted by both your wants and your impulses, and also not be distracted with the world says you have to care about." and what the world says you have to be outraged about. Not to be distracted by those things. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to know why you stand up for things, what you stand up for, how you do it, and dare, dare then to make it known. Don't be the moderate, moderate pastor. Don't be that person. Don't be the one who has nothing to say. But know that when you say it, you have something really important to say. This is the story of Daniel over and over again. It's Daniel having this purpose, drawing from this deep well of resources, of wisdom that God has given him. And when Daniel does stand up, he does it in a very particular way. It's the way I hope that you'll listen to in these stories. And so what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do next week, you're actually going to notice we're going to read chapter 1 again because you heard it once but you're going to need to hear it one more time to understand the full context behind it because chapter 1 gives you how they got, got into exile, what happened, and what is happening to these people now. And I'll give you, we're going to have maps, Sean. You're going to be happy. We're going to have maps, and we're going to have history. Come back next week. I promise I won't bore you by history because I'm bored by history. So I make it for those people who aren't bored by history. Um, and I want you, as you hear this story, and we're going to finish up now. This is just an intro today on, what, on, on the summer. Um, but as you hear this story, I want you to pay attention to two things. Two things over and over and over again that I think are core to what it means to stand up and, and how you do it. How you do it, when, when to stand up and how you do it. First thing that Daniel does every time, every story, every moment of pressure is that Daniel is always standing up and standing firm in humility. It's the humility of Daniel that just overflows out of him. Pay attention to this in every story that we read. 
Most of the time when I stand up for something, I want to be right when I stand up for it. That's why I flew the bird. I want to be right. I want to win. I want, to, I want they, them to feel beaten. I want to feel like I have the upper hand. Really, it, it's just about how awesome I am and how intellectually superior I am when I stand up. But time and time again, when Daniel stands up, he does it with this deep humility. So pay attention to that. That's my prayer for us, that we would be humble like Daniel. And then two, the other thing to pay attention to, every time he's under pressure, every time he's being squeezed by life and people, every time he's oppressed, Daniel stands up and Daniel stands out and always leaves room for the other person to be redeemed. In every story, watch it unfold. As he, the way he deals with people that you can't imagine, the people that you should fly the bird to, and he always, always, always leaves room for them to be redeemed. So pay attention to those things. As we begin Daniel really strong next week, wanted to make sure, I left that up, didn't I? Um, wanted to make sure that you all understand the context of the summer, and um, I, hope, I hope you'll read before you come. Read chapter one before next week. Read chapter two before the next week. Um, come and, and get what I feel like I've gotten out of this book. Daniel, will you pray with me? Jesus, we dare to be like you. Dare to stand alone in adversity, not without people, not without our company of, of other wise people, but to stand alone, not pulled and pushed by culture, not pulled and pushed by our own impulses and anger. Make us humble people. Make us people who always see room, leave room for grace and redemption of others. Make us wise. I know that I need more wisdom in my life. And we also acknowledge that this story is a story um, of horrific oppression. And so let us not, in our own westernized way of, of dealing with this, this story, let us not allow it to also read us. Not just read who Daniel was, but allow it to read who we are. So that we may be able to take notice of those who do call us and, and need us to stand up. But make us wise in that. Temper our righteousness. And God, we remember all those in our world who are still experiencing that level of of daily oppression. We become mindful of that and we become thankful for all we have. We pray that prayer. We join with you in that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.